The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from powerful women leaders who will share their playbooks on how to manage smarter, be more successful, and change your game. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie B. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in the right place. Let me get started. The buzz today, how does she do it? Quick reference to a movie in 2011, not not a success at the box office, but a great topic. It was called I Don't Know How She Does It, starring Sarah Jessica Parker, Pierce Brosnan, and Greg Kinnear. But I digress. Let's get started. In the 21st century, too many women are struggling to manage a double shift at work, and I would not hesitate to say maybe a triple or a quadruple shift. At work and at home, they're doing it all, and they're grappling at the same time with unrealistic pressure to be, to do, to have it all. And what does this all add up to? Well, think about a modern-day Wonder Woman the myth of Wonder Woman. But where did the myth come from? Let me give you a little bit of history. Wonder Woman is a fictional, remember that, fictional superhero appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics. The character is a warrior princess of the Amazons based on Amazons in Greek mythology. She is gifted with a wide range of superhuman powers and superior combat and battle skills. She has an arsenal of weapons, including the lasso of truth. She has indescribable indestructible bracelets, a tiara that serves as a projectile. In some stories, she even has an invisible airplane, a mental radio, and a purple ray that can heal otherwise lethal injuries. Does that sound like everybody's mom and everybody's female worker today? Isn't that what we're all supposed to be? Just another note, Wonder Woman was created by the American psychologist and writer William Moulton Marston. The character first appeared in All-Star Comics in December 1941. And by the way, Wonder Woman's depiction as a heroine fighting for justice, love, peace, and gender equality has led to Wonder Woman being considered a feminist icon. There you go. And Marston said to his wife that he wanted a new kind of superhero who would triumph not with fists or firepower, but with love. And his wise wife, Elizabeth, said, fine, but make her a woman. And here you have it. So let's fast forward back to 2015. Here we are. And while women are working more hours than ever before, with a median increase of 80% between 1979 and 2012, too few of our companies around the world are providing the kind of support that women need to be successful. Even President Obama, in his this year 2015 State of the Union address, called for guaranteed paid maternity leave. Well, here we are on Game Changing Women Radio, and I have a note from executive producer and SAP Chief Learning Officer Jenny Dearborn, and she says, 
I look forward to hearing our panelists discuss the role of corporate and government policy in rebalancing the workload, including job shares, flex time, parental leave, and much more. So we invite you to tune in as our two. We have two panelists, two panelists. They're so bold and so outspoken. We only need two today. Share their stories to help us figure out the possibilities and the pitfalls of being Wonder Woman. So I'm going to get started introducing our panel. First, we have calling all the way in from Mumbai, and it's late in the evening there, Dr. Ritu Anand. She is the Deputy Head of Global HR and the Head of Talent Management at Tata Consultancy Services, known to most of us at TCS. And Ritu sent me a quote from Anis Nin, born to Cuban parents in France, and she is an author of novels, critical studies, essays, short stories, and erotica, I must add. And here's the quote from Anis. Life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Ritu, Dr. Ritu Anand, how are you today? Calling all the way from Mumbai. What time is it? It's time 30 in the evening, and I'm quite good today. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. Interesting quote from Anis Nin. Talk to us. How does this relate to our huge topic of covering the myth of Wonder Woman and the role of today's corporation? Talk to me, Ritu. Actually, this is very close to my heart because it reminds me of a story which uh, I have learned a lot from and it describes and defines my life, both personal and professional. Um, There is a teacher I had who explained this to me that take three things and see how you, you want to define your life. First is leather. You make a hole in the leather and see what happens. Over a period of time, it shrinks and it actually vanishes. Then take a wood and make a hole in it. It remains the same size as you made it forever. Now you take a drop of oil and throw it under in the water and how it expands. And that's how I describe the courage. To take a drop of water, uh, oil and put it in the water and how it expands. And that's the life I think a woman best describes itself. Uh, the life shrinks or expands in proportion to my courage every woman's courage. And that's why whenever I have to talk on this uh, subject, this quote comes back to my uh, mind again and again. This uh, relates to me because I come from a small town in India where education was the only profession. Corporation was far away. But when a woman makes it uh, in her will and ambition and dreams, you can reach wherever you want to. And that's why I sent you this quote uh, Bonnie. I really appreciate it, Ritu. Very, very interesting. I love the metaphor of the drop of oil in water. We do expand to meet the challenges, don't we, Ritu? And sometimes not to our advantage. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Actually, most of the time, like you explained the uh, 1941 story, how we have been talking about Wonder Woman since then, it absolutely describes most of the women today. Uh, the challenges and the opportunities that come side by side and how you cross the challenges to leap over towards opportunities. Thank you very much. Looking forward to a lot more words of wisdom from you and your experiences, Ritu. Thanks for joining us. Let me bring on our second panelist. She is Jennifer Engelhardt, Senior Manager of Global Talent Acquisition at B. 
E, and I'm going to say B slash E aerospace, and she'll tell us in a minute how to pronounce that. Here's the quote from none other than Harvey Firestein. Anybody hiding under a rock? He's an American actor, playwright, and voice actor who won the Tony Award for Best Actor in a Play for his own play, Torch Songs Trilogy, and Tony Award for Best Actor in a Musical for playing none other than Edna Turnblad in Hairspray, and he wrote the book for the musical La Casual Fall, and I'll stop because the show is not about Harvey Firestein, but here's a great quote Jennifer selected. Accept no one's definition of your life. Define yourself. Jennifer Engelhart, welcome. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Great quote from Firestein. Wouldn't he be surprised and intrigued to find himself being discussed here on Game Changing Women Radio? Talk to me. How'd you find the quote, Jennifer? You know, I've I've known this quote for a while, and I, I don't even remember when I originally ran across it, but I just remember when I read it, how it just jumped off the page or off the screen at me, and so much so that I actually have it engraved on the back of my iPad, and I look at it every day, because I think, wow. you know, going back to the Wonder Woman, you know, myth, we're under a lot of pressure, I think, in today's world, and I think, you know, as as your life continues, your life is such a journey, and... I think we're all constantly redefining ourselves throughout those different stages of our lives. So it's a good way to kind of remind myself to, you know, be at peace and be content with who I am today and know that it's within, you know, my control to continue to redefine you know, who I want to be today, tomorrow, and, and the next day thereafter. Interesting, Jennifer. Let's relate that back, if you don't mind, to the metaphor of the drop of oil and water expanding from uh, Ritu a, a few moments ago when you're defining yourself and you need to fill different roles and change the concept of what it means to be on a clock and when you sleep and when you are in meetings. And uh, here's Ritu calling us in from calling into the show from Mumbai. Uh, In terms of defining yourself, should we get to pick the pond where we put that drop of oil and expand or should somebody, maybe that's the real question is where do, how do you define what kind of oil first of all, and where do you expand it? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's I think that's just right. You know, I think um it's so important that, you know, we're constantly looking at our present circumstances and understanding whether or not we're happy with them. And if we're not, knowing that we have choices. I mean, I think why I love this quote so much is it's I think it's very powerful because it really reminds you that we have choices and that there is no one definition of a successful life or a life with courage or a life with happiness, right? We can define what that is for each of us uniquely, kind of based on who we are and who we choose to have in our life, whether that's, you know, our our spouses and partners or whether that's, you know, how we define family or, you know, even the place that, that we go and, and, and the way that we make, you know, our living in the world. And I think that's just it. You know, we have to constantly, you know, each of us, you know, look at our lives and and if we're not happy with the oil we're using or the pond we're putting that oil in, <laughs> to know that there are, there are other types of oils that can be tried or there's other ponds that they could be put in. So I think, I think it's really important to remember that um, choice is a very powerful thing. And we're very blessed, Thank I think, you. in this day and age to have choices and have we- the option to, uh, to use those choices. We are, and, and Jennifer and Ritu, I hope that our audience around the world understands that we're trying to help them discover that there are choices and that it's not always easy to find them and make them, but 
They are out there. Our topic today is the Wonder Woman myth and the modern corporation. So we're going to get into the business side of the equation. But before we go to our break, it's, I have a very important and perhaps difficult question for both of you. What's in your cup today? What are you drinking? And Richu, I prepared you for this, so I can't wait to hear 9.30 plus p.m. in Mumbai. What are you drinking or what are you going to drink, let's say, in the morning? I don't know. Talk to me. You'll be surprised that I'm drinking ginger tea, and I've uh, put some black pepper on it, and I've laced it with a very, very small drop of milk, and you don't know how tasty it is at this moment, not after dinner, but before dinner. And uh, I must remind you, Bonnie, that ginger has some medicinal qualities Mm -hmm. which actually help you stay awake through the night in case that's what you are looking for. (laughs) So I'm having a wonderfully brewed ginger tea right now at 9.40 in Mumbai. Thank you, Ritu. And I'm thinking of all of the superpowers, the tiara and the mental radio and the purple ray that heals lethal injuries that the original mythical Wonder Woman possessed. And I'm thinking maybe ginger tea should be in our modern day arsenal. We'll have to ponder that one. Okay. And let's talk to Jennifer Angler. (laughs) Jennifer, where are you calling from? I don't think I asked you on air. Superpowers in your drink today. Jennifer, talk to me. I'm calling from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and it is the noon hour here, so I'm mm-hmm. drinking um, a bit a bit boring. Um, I'm drinking Evian water. I drink water all day long. I love water, and I think water helps sustain us. But uh, Ritu is a woman after my own heart because I will tell you by 9.30 tonight, I too will be drinking tea. I have a regular nightly ritual of peppermint tea before bed, and very similar because peppermint has those, those good uh, digestional um, and medicinal properties. There you go. There's another Wonder Woman drink for everybody. I I like my little glass of chocolate milk at night with a a hint of either vanilla or chocolate ice cream and a little cocoa powder and a little skim milk, and I mix it up and make it thick. And I'm sorry, but tea doesn't do it for me. I just need that little kick of chocolate (laughs) with all the long hours putting together SAP Game Changers Radio. I'm so pleased to be talking with both of you. You're going to be our honorary super women of the hour for this show. You're listening to the Wonder Woman Myth and the Modern Corporation. When we come back after the break, Dr. Richu Anand and Jennifer Engelhardt are going to help me dive into the topic of what is the role, what is the responsibility of the companies who are the places where we are putting in that double shift that creates such a, a an issue with women's double work and the superwoman myth, uh, Wonder Woman myth of the double shift. We're working at home. We're working at work. We have community activities we want to participate in. We want to be loving parents and spouses or significant others. We want to have hobbies and passions. We want to participate in the arts. We want to perhaps be a cook or a seamstress or a singer or a dancer. That takes time. And guess what? We all just have 24 hours a day. So I go back to my opening question, how does she do it? Yes, and we don't have Sarah Jessica Parker on the show today to answer that. The movie was a flop, but I think the message was a good one. We're going to take a quick break and have a refreshing drink of whatever. You go do the same, and we'll be right back with the roundtable, and Dr. Ritu Anand is going to help me start the conversation. So whatever this means to you, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back, Brad. Out.
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For women, the pressure to achieve at work is stronger, the hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. Tune in to hear today's powerful women leaders help you make sense of it all. They will get you thinking about how to manage smarter. They will analyze how you can change the game. And they will share their playbooks on how you can make it happen. Game Changing Women is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Women. Here we are. We're back with Dr. Richu Anand at Tata Consultancy TCS and Jennifer Anglehart at Jennifer. How do I pronounce your company? B slash E Aerospace or what's the pronunciation? It's B-E Aerospace. B-E Aerospace. There you go. It was the slash that threw me off. Thank you very much. Richu is going to help us kick off the roundtable and we'll have plenty of time to hear what Jennifer has to say as well. Richu, I'm looking at your notes. Let's start at the very beginning. You say women have tried to take on new professional opportunities, but without relinquishing our traditional female roles. And you say the Wonder Woman myth is proof to this balancing act that women try to achieve, aiming to excel at all things all the time, the quest for perfection has actually limited women. Talk to me. How is this quest for perfection standing in the way? How are we being limited? Ritu, get us started, please. Uh, like I uh, will repeat again, that we want to do it all. A woman mm-hmm. wants to continue to play the traditional role. However, the corporations are not ready, have not been ready for some time, and I would say several decades. Otherwise, I'm always wondering, why are we talking about this topic yet again since 1945 till today, that what does corporation have to do to get the woman going? Having said that, there are uh, there are balancing acts in uh, if you go to the there is a culture conditioning that a woman comes with into the office space uh, hi- historically a woman is not designed to work I, if i speak from asian culture husband mm-hmm. still are expecting the wife to take care of the children and the husband becomes the uh, money earner if if i may say so so in this space she steps out she aspires, she has ambition, and she wants to do several things that her partner also does without giving up the role at home, which she has been so conditioned by the society and the family. The guilt comes in. While I very passionately believe guilt is a wasted emotion, the influence of culture, family, peers, and society is not easy to remove from my mind the woman wants it all and to get it to get it done she has to balance her act and that is why this statement i keep speaking again and again that 
while family is now supporting what the corporation does the companies today are struggling beyond flexible hours beyond job shares beyond part time work there is nothing much that can ha- this happening at a large scale in our corporations this is where we want to focus on if i want to quickly summarize my views i would like to say that there are three phases in a woman's career first phase is in her 20s when she gets into the office for the first time with dreams in her eyes and lots and lots of ambitions till then companies are rep- reciprocating there is lot of support and she just moves ahead second phase in her 30s especially if i be, uh, i am very specific based on the research between 26 to 31 years of age she starts getting a shock because the companies do not know companies themselves are at a crossroad that whether they should dis- distinguish and differentiate between men and women or should they just do some preferential policies for the women so in this crossroad the, the ramping off starts happening then comes the self affirmation self confidence phase in women's life where she forges ahead having taken care of the balance very well and that's where organizations slip completely very very few organizations uh, manage that kind of confidence from women talent very well more of it later but this is what i wanted to say to begin with uh, bonnie mhm interesting jennifer chime in here a lot of thoughts on the table for me too what do you think Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of really good points and I think one in particular that really resonated with me is is you're right. I mean, you know, here we are, you know, 50, 60, 60 years, you know, um past the 40s when women really started to enter into the workforce during World War II and and yet we have not a whole lot more options that we've created in in corporations to give flexibility to both I think both men and women. Um I recently went to a conference and I heard a really interesting economist speak and he was talking about work-life balance and what really spoke to me is one of the first things he said is work-life balance is no longer a feminist issue and that recently he had conducted um some studies and some research and had found that men are just as disenfranchised about their work-life balance in fact even more so um today in the United States than ever before So I think there is a tremendous amount of pressure on all of us to, you know, take all of these different components that Ritu spoke to whether it's you know, how are you a superstar in the workplace and superstar parent or or sibling or caregiver to maybe, you know, your own aging parents um and and how do you do all of those things well and feel good about them all the time and I I I don't think that that I don't think it's easy to do all of those things incredibly well at any given time. I think I can speak for myself personally where I have times where, you know, I feel like I've been a great partner. I have times I feel like I've been successful in my career, but very rarely do I feel that balance of all of those things at the same time. Um and I think, you know, the term work-life balance is is a challenge because I think it makes you think about compartmentalizing and I think in today's world I don't know that that's that's feasible. I think it's it's more those things are all sort of integrated together and so people don't feel like they have those those quick uh segmentations of this is work time versus this is personal mm-hmm. time. Thanks Great points Jennifer. And it is hard. And 
Go ahead, Ritu, and I want to say something, but you go first, Ritu, please. Uh, just on this work-life balance, I have all believed that we have choices, and I believe work and life moves ahead together. There is never a balance which is going to be achieved, mm-hmm. and it's more about work-life mixing and integration. I don't think so. I would like to uh, choose with neither of the two. However, it's a choice that I have to make which will decide which becomes my primary focus and which becomes my secondary focus. Thank Funny. you, Ritu. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. We, I participated in a, an HR-led conversation at SAP over a year ago where we were told the breaking news, and you'll both appreciate this, there is no such thing as work-life balance anymore. It, the best we can do is work-life integration. It's mm-hmm. a fact. If you have work and you have family and you have whatever you do else in your life, you have to integrate them together in a way that you can live in some sort of healthy modicum for yourself mentally, spiritually, Uh, physically because the balance is just not going to be there and I'm so pleased that you mentioned that Jennifer that it's no longer a feminine or feminist issue it is integrating into everybody's lives men women everybody in all all parts of the workforce now I have a question for both of you and and we're talking about work and family being blurred you know what what choices do you make do you go to the barbecue do you stay home and work do you uh, do you get a babysitter so you can go in your private office at home and take care of something or do you play with your children Uh, do you work that extra couple of hours to get some overtime pay or do you spend it with the family because they haven't seen you in three days? These are all, I, I believe, more family issues. But my question to all of you is, you know what, I forgot my question. My question is, uh, let, let's touch on something that seems to be disparate in the workforce around the world. And I mentioned that President Obama in his 2015 State of the uh, State of the Nation address mentioned that he has a call for guaranteed paid maternity leave, the State of the Union address. And I know that in Europe, uh, Ritu, you might want to speak to this. In Europe, women can take, I believe, up to a, four months to a year of at least partly paid maternity leave, sometime fully paid. And in the United States, it's just very, very little, if at all. So let's talk about that because we brought up the idea of family and integrating family and work. So if you can't take off and still have money coming in, you don't have a lot of choices. Ritu, you want to start this one? Yes, I would. I think you don't have to go far. You have to just step across the border to Canada, and they have very liberal uh, maternity policies. Coming back closer to Europe to come to Asia, Asia we have guaranteed paid uh, maternity leave, which we give forever. It's been, uh, In fact, it was started by Tata's only. And four months uh, fully paid leave is there with an option to go on uh, leave without pay for a year uh, to uh, protect your uh, employment. And that's a very big plus. Not many companies do it, but progressive and very sensitive companies have started doing it. And uh, that's that's something which is uh, one of the very, very big, big plus as a corporation that you can do. Uh, I also want to let you know that in UK, United Kingdom, another country where uh, very uh, much, much greater liberal policy is there. However, I am not very sure, other than uh, India and some Asian countries, there are, there is uh, four to six months of uh, paid leave which is being given. Uh, 
and uh, that has proved to be actually if you have read in google a very big plus recently where the attrition of women has dropped by cool 50% when they introduced this policy of uh, extended uh, uh, leave and we do that also in india several companies do it now i also want to uh, bring uh, a point uh, forward that when the point about women coming back coming back from leave into the workplace maybe mm-hmm. after uh, jennifer speaks i can speak a little more on this because i don't want to deviate from that topic of what do corporations need to do or what different countries are doing in terms of leave jennifer thank you richu jennifer yes please join us yeah, I think I think it is a challenge holistically, and and Ritu, I was going to go right where where you are, which is even if you're you're given that that gift of that time um, to be able to you know bond with a new mm-hmm. child, I think you know it's it's the challenge. We I have a colleague right now who's who's off on maternity leave, and it's it's a little scary to me um, how many emails I'm seeing come through. And yet, this is you know her her time off to to bond with her child. So I think it's a it's a challenge in this day and age where businesses and the world is moving so fast, where people are trying to make those choices, and yet also wanting to be able to keep up so that when they come back, they're not completely overwhelmed um, and have a steep ramp up when they return back into the workplace. Mm-hmm. I guess the other point to kind of you know level the playing field is also you know the concept in my mind of paternity leave. There's a lot yes. of companies where that's non-existent, um, and I think in today's day and age, you know, certainly from a from a society standpoint, men are playing you know even more of a significant role in the rearing of children I think than ever before. It's not I know I'm making a bit of a blanket statement. That's not true for every generation and every individual, but certainly we're seeing more and more of that. And I think you know that's one of the places where when we talk about you know balance, even from from the male perspective, not having given any opportunity or perhaps even any time or very limited time to bond with a new child is also a challenge. So I think it's, it's an issue on both sides of the table um, for both sexes and uh, makes it a challenge. It, it does. And I just want to give a reference here. There's a website called The Bump, B-U-M-P, as in Pregnancy Bump, and they have an article called Maternity Leave Around yeah. the World comparing a couple of case studies of a woman in the U.S. in 2006 with a woman in Germany at the same time frame talking about uh, paid leave and how women, this particular woman in the case study was get, had a month of accrued vacation and sick time and that's all she got for her maternity leave because her company was small and they didn't have to adhere to federal laws requiring 12 weeks of job protection after the birth of a child compared to the case in Germany. Just interesting, thebump.com mm-hmm. and look for maternity leave around the world. Richard, you wanted to dive back in on this one. Why don't you go ahead? It's uh, it's more about returning from leave, what corporations can do, and I think that's a bigger stress that the women goes through, the working women. Uh, there's something I wanted to share. It, it sounded a little funny to me when I read it, but motherhood penalties and fatherhood bonus is something which keeps reverberating in my mind that uh, when she takes leave, then she's penalized because when she comes back, she has to prove herself all over again. Promotions are elusive, whereas... If uh, the the men men in the company just soar ahead with bonuses and promotions, and uh, what 
what can and what do the corporations do to prevent this kind of discrimination happening, especially especially when the professional is returning from uh, childcare leave. And this is where I wanted to suggest and uh, some of the very progressive company and uh, are doing is by, by having reorientation uh, policies in place where mentoring and opportunities are quickly given. Uh, implementation of rigor in implementing this reorientation for, work, uh, for uh, women who are returning from maternity leave is something which will make a difference in the way employee uh, corporation is viewed or employer is viewed or a company is viewed as uh, friendly to women or not. Setting a foundation for growth at the leadership level for women. Second thing I wanted to uh, talk about, and it's a big no-no, nothing new, but I have read it recently. I want to share it about mommy policies, which Jennifer touched uh, briefly. I want to reiterate that, that we really need today, the time has come when we have to recognize that men also have sacrificed over the decades by not seeing their children grow uh, uh, in their tender age. Uh, why should it be the responsibility of only women? Uh, while it may not be so in Western, uh, in Western world from where I'm speaking from, but in Asia and especially in India, house husbands or husband, men do not see themselves sitting at home. It is still not prevalent. It's a woman who has to do that core, and that's where the uh, mommy policies and uh, Wonder Woman myth comes in. Sometimes I feel, should we be talking about man actually sac the sacrificial lamb, that he sacrificial lamb who has not seen his children grow through the young infant's age? Bonnie? Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, I just was looking, you know, I love to look things up while we're talking, Ritu and Jennifer. There's a website called Talented Ladies Club. That's just the way it sounds, talentedladiesclub.com. Believe it or not, I kid you not, and here she is about eight months pregnant, lying on her back in a field of daisies, lying on her back, and the title of the article is Your Legal Rights When You Return to Work After Maternity Leave. And it has a list of, of rights for the first child, the second child, the type of job waiting for you. So anybody wants to look it up, we don't have anything to do with the site, but I thought it's interesting. Jennifer, what are your thoughts about... Uh, Men not seeing their children about we're getting back to our work-life integration yeah. and balancing family and job and career. We haven't even talked about career path. Right now we're just talking about the fact of working. Jennifer, what are your thoughts? You know, it was interesting as, as Ritu was talking about, you know, men having potentially those regrets of not seeing their children grow up. It, it made me draw upon a very personal experience. And I remember... Just a few years ago, my father retired, and I was visiting my parents and sitting at the kitchen table one morning over breakfast, and my dad was looking at me for kind of a long time, and I said, what, what are you thinking? And he said, I should have spent more time with all of you. I wish I could go back. I would have spent more time. I would have gone to more games. I would have gone to more plays. I would have been more involved. He's like, I left that completely up to your mother, and now I wish I could get it back. And it made me so sad, <laughs> you know, that he felt that way. I never felt like my dad was an absentee parent, but, you know, I, I think that it, it, it is um, one of those things where, you know, life can pass you by very quickly. And I think it is, um, it is very much a challenge, I think, I think for anyone, you know, who is a full-time working parent in this day and age. 
I think the I'm going to shift topics a little bit for one second because another thing I yeah. thought of um, as as I was listening to Ritu speak so eloquently was that um, I remember in a former life being part of an organization where we had a very uh, strong, high potential leadership program that was very prestigious to get into. And I remember um, a few female colleagues who were selected for the program, and one of them saying to me, I'm going to decline. And I said, why would you decline? You're a high performer. You're well thought of. You know, This is a great way to fast track. And I remember my colleague saying to me, well, I've just learned that I'm pregnant, and so I'll, I'll miss the final stage of the program because I'll be out on maternity leave. And I don't think that will be well looked upon. And I remember looking at her and saying, well, when men can start having the babies, <laughs> then that'll be a different conversation. But until, uh, you know, something changes in our physiology, I said, I think you should still go and have the conversation and say that you want to participate yeah. and be a part of this. So I think it's interesting how, um, you know, sometimes we're, we're almost limiting ourselves. And it ended up, you know, she went and had the conversation. They were like, of course we want you in the program. We, we want more strong, you know, female leaders in this organization. So it was a no-brainer. Um, but I think, you know, in her mind was like, well, I guess I'm limited. I guess I won't be able to, you know, move forward or, or, or play with the rest of my peers at the same level. So, you know, I think we have to ensure that we're not putting our own limitations on ourselves. And I think that, you know, that goes back to kind of my, my opening quote with, you know, create that new definition, ask those questions, see if you can create choices where you don't think choices exist. Jennifer and Richu, I want to want to bring up a topic here. What about the women who postpone starting a family because they are afraid the career track and the fast track, if you will, Jennifer, will be interrupted by having to say, oh, I can't take that course. I can't get in that program because I'm going to be having my child during that particular whatever it is at work is going to be happening. Women who, and, and the, the pressures on of society saying to these women, why aren't you having children? Well, I really want to invest in my career and my travels. I want to grow as a human being. That's not well thought of either all the time. Richard, what do you observe in your culture for women who purposely postpone starting a family or decide not to have one at all because they want career to be that's what they want. They don't want family as much as they want career. What are your thoughts? You said it, uh, the word which is actually scary word is a culture. In our culture, this is absolutely a no-no. You just mm-hmm. cannot choose a career over children. Immediately after you are married, the question in the society is, when are you going to have the next, the baby? And that puts a lot of pressure on women. That is why you hardly will find women who have chosen to either postpone or not have any children at all. That, However, urban society in India is changing very fast uh, mm-hmm. from a 0% to a very slowly growing 0.1, 0.2% women are taking that route, but it is still very, very, very very negligible. In our society, having children is a must. Getting married is a must. Single women are absolutely very, very looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Though we, we are moving into the direction what you, uh, West, has probably tread many decades ago. Uh, India is getting there. However, it very, very few in numbers. Hence, this topic of Wonder Woman myth actually becomes a, or is a reality in this part of world that a woman who steps out from her home to work definitely definitely does not have 
and uh, support of uh, anybody else doing that child rearing job it has to be uh, then relied on her how she is going to move forward and that is why the wonder woman actually is a reality over here if she succeeds in corporations which many women do and that's another topic which i can if time permits we can go into that direction but this is my view and i want to tell you one more statement which yes. i always make we always have a choice to make a choice a choice of a career or choice choice for a child and that choice is ours nobody else's Richu, thank you for your candid answer uh, i had a feeling when i brought up culture and and pressure on women that you would have something interesting to say, and I, I'm so glad I took I took the choice, made the choice to bring that. Jennifer, any comments on that from the U.S. perspective? Yeah, I think you know this one is is very personal for me. Um, I uh, actually delayed the idea of having children, and delayed it so long that now I'm at a point where I I don't think I'll I'll have children, and I think mainly because throughout my career. I've um, accepted a lot of positions that are, you know, in my view, high-pressure roles. I've, in many times throughout my career, had roles that required me to travel 50 to 75% of the time. And I think a lot of the time I would think, how in the world would I ever have a child and be able to keep up this pace or have time to spend with a child? So that's a personal choice I've made um, and, and we've made as, as a partnership, my my boyfriend and I, but I will say that it is interesting in that some of those traditional societal norms still exist. I have people ask me all the time at, at conferences or work functions or, or personal, you know, uh, gatherings where they'll say, people will say to me who I'm just meeting for the first time, so how many children do you have? And when I say I don't have any children, then they'll say, well, how many pets do you have? just happens I'm highly allergic to everything under the sun with fur, um, so I don't have any pets. And so then the question I get is, well, what do you do with all your time if you don't have any children or pets? So it's interesting. Um, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. I think there is um, still sort of that same societal pressure um, in the U.S. I remember I was, I was married at one point, and immediately after getting married, I mean, within a few months, people saying, well, when will you start your family? So I think it's interesting. I mean, I do think things are changing, and I do think we, we are starting to all have new definitions of what family looks like. And mm-hmm. I say all the time, I'll refer to my family, and to me, my family is both my, you know, my extended family, but it, my family for me is me and my partner, he and I. Jennifer, I want to say to you the same thing I said to Richie. Thank you for your candor. Uh, I didn't realize that, and I'm glad you shared it. I'm going to bring in a third perspective. Uh, I was divorced when my children were very young. I think my daughter was three and my son was eight. I had no career behind me. I had just uh, a partial college education, and I went back and got, well, I actually f- I just finished my degree in the, in the second college after I got married, but I had to start from scratch. And the challenge of being mm-hmm. a single woman, working mom, living 3,000 miles from my family and my entire network, I was on the West Coast, brought there by my husband at the time, my family was in New York, I had to start from, we're talking starting from scratch, starting from scratch, no income, no job skills, had to go back and take two associate's degrees at a community college, believe it or not, on top of a bachelor's magna cum laude, and became a computer programmer analyst and ended up running a department for a community college and then got back into marketing and communications and here I am so many years later but 
talk about the stress mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. work-life integration, balance. Are you kidding me? And yet, <laughs> I, I was a dance teacher. I had a, and at the time, a, I met a, a lovely young man, a, a, a gay young man who was a fabulous dancer, and we became a dance teaching and demonstration gurus in Eugene, Oregon for years. I sold Mary Kay cosmetics on the side. I took my kids to their swimming lessons at the Y. I had a full-time job as a computer programmer, and I and I had friends, and I dated, and my kids were well taken care of. My daughter is now a, an MD, a physician, and my son is a corporate SVP and, and general counsel attorney. But if you think that was easy, Wonder Woman, I think I think I live, I think I kind of lived through it. No, no bragging rights here, but reality check was sometimes life happens and you end up having to become that wonder woman and the choices you made early on i'm going to cry the choices you made early on come and smack you in the face when you realize you have to have a job you have to have an income you are the sole supporter for your family poof tag your it richu any comments on that uh, you would have been well taken care of if you were in India, Bonnie, because you would have had your joint family, famous Indian joint family system to take care of your kids while you were out there working and sorting out your life. So that's what I would say. The cultural uh, excitement, which I call that uh, we have today because we are a global society, global companies. Um, mm-hmm. You learn from India, India learns from uh, Germany, Germany learns from Canada, and that's where this uh, uh, topic becomes a global topic and the uh, world is just moving ahead. And I think the choices are many. We just need to grab them and do something about it. I, I think you're right. I personally and, and feel Bonnie. I want to get into What's that? I personally feel, Bonnie, that you oh, are oh, 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 th- sorry. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, now, I want to talk about women's stereotypes. Let's talk about women in the workforce and, and maybe some thoughts that have been circulating around for a long time. And Richu was kind enough to include some findings from the Economic Times magazine just this March, March 2015, on women leader stereotypes. I think this is very germane to our conversation, Richu and Jennifer, because if, if people are yes. saying, well, what do you really need them in the workforce for? They don't work well in teams and women ah they're all emotional they can't make decisions and how could they possibly good be good managers and after all women are leaning on the men anyway to get things done my goodness there are five stereotypes i just summarized them in one heartbeat ritu so ritu <laughs> why don't you take us through a little bit yeah. of the reality check and then jennifer chime in anywhere you want to because you certainly have seen the reality of of women as leaders ritu take us through first one women don't work well in teams what's the reality check the reality is that women actually share more. Reality is that they inspire leadership. They do not uh, invest time in uh, looking behind their back. They are always looking in the front. Uh, the teams are only interested in uh, learning, and women are uh, good teachers. And uh, this comes from the differentiating styles of leadership that women are born with, and they cultivate that to share care, little bit of empathy, little bit of compassion is all what takes to develop the passion and the inspiration in younger generation today. And that's a reality. And the myth is that they don't work well in teams. That's a stereotype. We need to 
come out of it. Jennifer, I want to get your take on this before we move to the next stereotype. Jennifer? I wish I had the actual statistic with me, but I know that there was a great study done just a few years ago in conjunction with the White House. And what was amazing coming out of that study is where they showed organizations where you had women who sat on the executive leadership team and women who sit on board of directors within large corporations actually find that those companies are more profitable um, than companies that have no women in their board of directors or on their executive leadership team. It was proven, you know, company after company around the world. And I think, you know, back to Ritu's point, I think one of the other traits that, um, you know, are brought to the table are brainstorming and creativity. I think, you know, holistically, diversity of thought and diversity in the workplace is what leads to those better ideas, that leads to that next, you know, great idea that takes your company to the next level. And so we have to have that, that, that good mix of diversity um, to help us be able to move forward and not become stagnant and stale. Thank you very much. And let's no, go agree, to the... Um, That's a McKinsey and, study. Oh, yes. Th- very good. Thank you, Ritu. And Ritu, let's go to the one women can't handle their emotions well, which I think is the cornerstone of everything. If you can't handle your emotions, how could you make a good decision? How could you be a good manager? And how can you get things done? So let's tackle this one. The stereotype is women give in to work stress easily. What's the reality check, Ritu? Uh, who gave birth to children? Women. How easy it, it is to give birth to a child? We all know how difficult it is. And that's the perspective which is missing in the conversation and the stereotype. Actually, uh, they are able to control and uh, be very, very quick on adjusting as the situation demands. I see that uh, if even if they have had long traumatic uh, past uh, at the, at home they are able to come back quickly shake themselves up and not let their uh, peers or bosses know uh, what is going wrong and if they are under stress in fact in fact i have seen women really be in control of themselves uh, in comparison to men i am generalizing it but if i speak about women i have seen that they are quick to adjust uh, drop their uh, facade when they go home, but immediately when they are in the morning coming to office, they are their professional best, despite the trauma, despite the stress of anything that their family is going through. And I'm saying it with confidence because uh, I, I, I am in a company which has 105,000 women working together, and they, uh, this is what I'm seeing on every day. Thank you. Jennifer, thoughts, emotions? I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, I think over time, um, since, especially since women became, you know, more and more prominent in the workforce, just by sheer necessity, you know, we had to learn how to multitask, how to be agile, how to be flexible. And so I think, you know, those are, that's, it's a skill set that's brought to the table. And I think I see that all the time. And I, I couldn't agree more with the pieces that you shared with you around compassion and empathy. And it's not to say I've, I've had, a number of fantastic um, and, and blessed to work for a number of great leaders, both men and women, where they've had that compassion and empathy. But I, I definitely, I think, you know, see that sometimes a bit more innately from the women leader that leaders that I'm surrounded by, and couldn't be prouder to be, you know, in in their ranks and have them as peers and watch them lead um, in a way that is thoughtful and flexible to the needs of those on their team to get the best out of their team members. 
Now, let, let's do another kind of reality check here. We too, I'm looking at your notes, and, and this is a very important reality check. You say a sad part is that women give in to these stereotypes and we give up too easily. Observation, Ritu, are you seeing this personally, directly in the workforce in India? Where are you seeing this? I'm seeing it directly. may not uh, be everywhere, but I'm definitely seeing it in India. And uh, that is why as the years go up, the women start ramping down from their career ladders, bright, educated, qualified, professional women with successful track record of five to ten years are get dropped off. And this is showing in the numbers that the world is showing, that a minuscule percentage of women are present in the leadership in corporations across the world. And the drop starts after five, six years of work life, only that work life, the 26 to 31 years of age, the research shows that's where the drop starts happening. And that's an opportunity for companies to do something about it, like I mentioned it before. And this is the sad part, that despite education, despite a successful track record, I'm seeing that there is aspiration deficit, aspiration deficit which is, which, which is happening, that I can only, I'm seeing women who are not able to aspire big enough. Whereas his, her peer would aspire three steps ahead. She is just about thinking about next six months, next one year. And that's the sad part I'm talking about, Vani. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Jennifer, we're almost up to our predictions round. I've got five minutes left, but I want to cover one more topic in your notes, Jennifer. You say flexible work arrangements can help to attract and retain quality talent, quality leadership. And we're talking flex time, telecommuting, working remotely, compressed work weeks, on-site daycare, elder care. That's either the fact of the care or discounts, enhanced parental leave, all contribute to increased morale, employee satisfaction, better productivity, creation creativity and energy, reduce stress and absenteeism. Can you give us a summary of, of uh, the importance of this, Jennifer, from your, your POV? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't stress enough, I think, how important that is, especially in this day and age. And, and I've, I've personally been in situations where, you know, I've had the privilege to leave people where we've given that flexibility, whether it's, you know, we had a, a phenomenal um, person on our team who her husband um, got a great opportunity out of state and she said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to give up my job. And we were like, why would we have you give up your job? You could do this job from home. Let's keep you on the team. Let's keep you uh, retained and part of the organization. You're a great con- contributor. So, you know, I think, I think it's important. I think the more that we provide, you know, those, those flexibility uh, for our, our employees, it's amazing. You'll get that back in spades. When people feel like you're giving them choices, right? I think it goes back to one of the big themes of this conversation, which is when you have choices and you don't feel you're boxed into a corner, and then you can figure out how to integrate all of these pieces and be able to get the things done you want to get done and and feel accomplished, you will get that back 10 times over. And I've found that you know, this, this individual that I'm, I'm thinking of, I mean, she was phenomenal when we had her here on site. She continues to be a phenomenal performer as she works for, a, for, for us from a virtual standpoint. 
So I think we need to all be a little bit more flexible and more thoughtful about how can we make those, those accommodations uh, to retain, especially to retain our best and our brightest. Thank you very much. And guess what? It is time. We're right on the precipice of our predictions round. We call it the crystal ball. Richu Anan, Dr. Anan, I'm going to ask you to please look into the crystal ball. I know you have a wonderful crystal ball. You polished off there all the way over in Mumbai, and you're ready to give me your predictions. I'm going to give you, let's start with one minute each because we're almost at the end of the show. So Richu Anand, I love the year 2020. You may love a different year. When we talk about the Wonder Woman myth and the modern corporation, what's going to change? at some point in the future. One-minute predictions. Ritu, go. I want to predict, I am predicting that the pyramid would have crumbled. There will be no managerial layer. There will be only specialists who will be very good at their job, and there will be no need for us to have this discussion of woman myth or a man myth. Flexibility will be a two-way street. Companies would have opened their doors to new policies. Women would be walking in and running in hand-in-hand with men with no difference, and you will sit 50-50% at the leadership layer where uh, they will be sitting at the board with three women and three men taking decisions and taking the corporations to the next high level of success. That's what I'm seeing. Wow. Thank you. Brief and to the point. You packed a wall up there. Wonderful. Great thoughts. Jennifer Engelhardt, I'll give you the same one minute, exactly 60 seconds. Go fast. Predictions, Jennifer, go. Goodness. 2020 is only five years away. I wish it was further into the future. I love Ritu, I love your predictions, and I, and I do I do think that that will be our future. I think we'll see less layers of hierarchy in organizations. I, um, you know, more and more we're seeing in our organization, and benchmark studies are showing that although we're a very mobile world, people are wanting to stay closer to home and closer to family because their discretionary time is so much more limited than it's ever been before. And so I think providing more flexibility I think coming up with with some new ways to be even more flexible with our workforce is going to be really important. We have a talent shortage um, around the world. Unemployment is lower than it's ever been in the United States in at least the last 10 years. So we're going to have to come up with new creative uh, endeavors in order to ensure that we're getting the best out of our employees and that they're having the best integration they can between their work and their life. Thank you very much, ladies. Such a pleasure, Dr. Ritu Anand at TCS. And a shout-out to Tiffany Stronsky, Karen Zuhl, and Preeti Galati, all at TCS, for your support in helping us get Ritu Anand on the show. Jennifer Engelhardt at BE Aerospace. Such a pleasure. Love to know more about what you're doing in the aerospace industry, but that'll be another show. And, of course, a shout-out to our executive producer, Jenny Dearborn, and to Brad and the Business Channel team here at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Tomorrow I'll be back with another live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're going to be talking to the producer, the director, and people behind the film, The Human Face of Big Data. You don't want to miss that one. So here's my call to action. In the meantime, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 
12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back. 